worship the Lord. Fireworks. Sorry. I got a, is it up, not up, nice, well here it is, the first PowerPoint failure, uh, it should be in, is it in my, there we go, is that it, nice. <laughs> Okay. Everybody awake now? <laughs> Kenny, you good? Okay. Can we? Yes, there we go. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> I want us to think about this Proverbs as we start this evening. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. I love the fact that tonight we can come together and look into God's word and we can add knowledge and understanding to our lives. Amen? <clears throat> we have the ability to be able to hear God's word, see what it says, and then we can either choose to apply it to our lives or we don't have to. But tonight, I want us to talk about Lust. That's a strong one. On a lot of different levels. You know, we've been using this keeping our Christian walk non-toxic. And I want to talk about the concept of lust and how it affects our lives. And the things that happen when we allow lust to become a part of our life. So what is lust? Lust is the desire or motivation to sin. Lust is enticement to sin. Look at this. Lust is the untamed desire of the soul, which fuels temptation and the desire to sin. It stimulates the imagination attracts arrogance, and is in direct opposition of the will of God. It rejects the love of God for a mess of pottage, breeds irrationally and temporary insanity, and falls victim to slavery. Now you know I didn't write that. <clears throat> but that is very interesting. It rejects the love of God for a mess of pottage. Breeds irrationality and temporary insanity. And falls victim to slavery. James 1, 14-15 tells us, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, when the desire becomes... What you do, it gives birth to sin. And when sin, and sin when it is full grown, brings forth death. 
What a dangerous concept to have in our lives. Lust. What a dangerous thing to have driving who we are as a Christian. You see, lust motivates us to sin. And God has given us free will to choose what we want to do. Whether we want to sin or whether we don't want to sin. Whether we want to lust or whether we don't want to lust. So as we allow lust to come into our lives, we make the decision to go against what we know is right. James tells us that once our lust has become action, it is sin. And when that sin is full grown, it brings forth death. As lust becomes a part of our lives, it never puts us in the place properly. And it's not put in our place. If we don't put it in its proper place, it'll kill us. It'll kill our Christian walk. It will kill our relationship with the Lord. So as we dig a little bit deeper into this uh, lust, there's all types of lust. You've got lust for money. You've got lust for power. You've got lust sexually. You've got criminal lust. You've got lust for food. I fall victim to this one sometimes. Lust for pleasure. There's all types of lust that we have that we desire uh, in our lives. And sometimes they take us over. Sometimes we can't stop thinking about it. It's all that we think about. It's all that we uh, put our... uh, Thoughts and motives towards is this lust or this desire. I want us to look at three of these. And by looking at them, we can develop how lust works. Really, they all, when you see all of these laid out, even though they're different, they all work the same way. Lust works the same way. Think about this, the lust of money. You know, when we think about Uh, money, we think immediately about movie stars, right? Tom Hanks, you know, uh, uh, great actor. We think about ball players. That's what I think about. I think immediately about Michael Jordan, right? I think about how great of a ball player he is and how much money he's got, how famous he is. You think about singers, Elvis Presley, right? There he is, the great singer. His house was... Uh, people still go and look at his house. You think about this guy's bank account. You think about all these things and all the money that these people have. And if you aren't careful, you find yourself wrapped up in trying to chase those types of dreams. Very dangerous. We think about what they have and and how big their houses are and how big uh, their bank accounts might be. And, And as we begin to think about these things, we want to be like that. We want to have that type of bank account. We want to have those types of clothes. We want to look that look and smell that way, right? We want everything to do with that. 
And if we're not careful, what begins to happen is that's how we're shaped and that's how we're formed. 1 Timothy 6, 7-8 through 8 says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. You know, we chase the money. We chase uh, after uh, this riches and diamonds and all these things. But really in the end, we don't get to take it with us. All of that goes away. And we see Paul telling Timothy that having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. So, Matt, what you're saying basically is don't try to strive to make money. Don't strive to uh, have nice things. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we shouldn't, that should not be what drives us all the time. Look at what it says. 1 Timothy 6, 9 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. The Bible clearly tells us that we will fall into temptation and a snare. And look what it says. And many foolish and harmful lusts if we focus our attention on being rich. Many foolish and harmful lusts. You know, it's talking about money in this, but really you can apply it to any type of lusting. Once you begin to lust after this, whatever it is, whatever you try to desire to get and it consumes you, you fall into harmful situations. But it doesn't matter. But look at this. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What does the love of money do? What does the lust after more and more and more money do? It begins to stray you from the faith. And it says it, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Because again, uh, like I just read, we don't take anything with us when we go. When we die, it all is gone. So many times we find ourselves focused and desiring the wrong things. And we end up only hurting ourselves in the end. Look at the next, sexual lust. 1 Corinthians 6.18 What did Paul think about sexual immorality or the desire to be sexually immoral? Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does out is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Paul says flee it. Why? Because it's dangerous. Very dangerous. But people want it. Why do they want it? 
Why do they want and desire this uh, sexual lust? Because it pleases them. It's pleasing to them. They begin to desire and lust after the beauty of someone else. And their mind, this uh, sexual desire consumes them. And they think in some way, shape, or form it's going to make them better if they get with this other person. Because it will please them. You know, when sexual... Lust becomes a part of our life. It doesn't matter if you're married or if the other person's married. It don't matter what is the situation. Because what has happened now is, is the lust has consumed me. And now that's all I think about. It doesn't matter about any of the situations that are going to come afterwards. It's all in the moment. What a dangerous thing to be a part of our lives. If this doesn't get handled, our life, our Christian walk becomes toxic. It could kill our Christian walk. I want us to think about this Proverbs. Proverbs 7. And I'm going to read it now, but I'm going to come back to it uh, in a little bit. This is a... I love this proverb. Because it really depicts what happens in the situation of sexual lust. Look at this. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple. I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside. At times in the open square lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you, diligently to seek your face. And I found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come. Let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. And he will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. It would cost his life. Now therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. 
do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Wow. What a powerful thought. What a thought to think about. What a thought to be careful to make sure that we're never a part of. Here was a man who was totally caught up in it. And boy, I could see it, right? Beautiful woman coming in, smelling good, right? Not to mention that my husband's gone. He's going to be gone for a while. It's okay. Come on in here. Nobody will know. It's dark outside. We'll come back to that in just a minute. But the lust of power. You know, I'm tired of listening to what he says. If I was the boss, then it'd be different. Wait until I get to be the boss. Everybody's going to listen to me. The desire to be the big dog, right? Can be very dangerous. When it consumes you. When it becomes who you are. When it becomes your motivation. You know, if you're the president, or if you're a king, or if you're the CEO, you're somebody. But if you aren't in power, if you aren't in some type of authority, you're really nobody. When this becomes a lust that's inside of you, it will consume you. Whether it's the lust for power, whether it's the lust for sexual things, whether it's lust for money, what you do, you lie, you cheat, you steal, you hurt, you destroy, you'll do anything, right? It does not matter because I'm going to get what I want and I'm blocking everything else out. Because now it's become who I am. What a dangerous emotion to have. What a dangerous emotion to not take care of. You know, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. About Satan and about his pride. In Isaiah 14, verses 13 through 14, it says, For you have said in your heart, talking about Satan, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's what I want. That's what I want. To be like the Most High. He had made in his heart that he was going to be like God. And it didn't matter what he had to do. It didn't matter who he destroyed on the way. Making that lust or that desire happen was what he wanted to do. And that was what he was going to do. And what did it cost him? It cost him being in heaven. 
What a dangerous emotion to have in our lives. What a dangerous place to be to just let it sit and fester, right? To just let it consume us without even doing anything about it. Because it will overtake us. So how do we attack lust? The first thing that we do is we realize it's worldly. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 16. Actually, we'll start in verse 15. The Bible says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. How do we attack lust? We first understand that it's from the world. This is a worldly thought. This is a worldly action. When we're thinking about those things that go against God's word, we have to throw up the red flag immediately and say in our hearts and say in our minds, this isn't right. You ever had that? You ever had that lust? You ever had that desire? And you know it's not right, but what ends up happening is you just continue to do it and you just say, you know what, I'm just going to keep doing it and I don't care what God says. I don't care what he says. I'm still going to do it even though I know it ain't right. Why? Because the lust and that desire has overpowered you. Boy, I've been there. I still struggle with it. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to stand up here and tell the truth. Man, I'm a human being. And I'm trying to strive to be like God. But every once in a while, I struggle. But I don't want to. But when I run into the situation and I start facing this lustful desire for whatever it is, I have to put it in check. I have to say, no, nah, this is worldly stuff. This, this lust of the flesh, this lust of the eyes, or this pride of life. How do we attack this lust? Not only do we realize it's worldly, but we realize it starts within our heart. When Jesus was talking about uh, the things that the Jews had heard from old, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 27 through 28, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. How beautiful is Jesus in his setup of understanding how to deal with these situations? He deals, he wants you to deal with it before you even act upon it. As soon as it comes to your heart, what do you do? 
Do you continue with it? Do you continue to think about it? Do you continue to dwell on it? Does it? Do you allow it to just be a part of your day as you're working and nothing you can do except continue to think about it until it just takes you over? No, you understand that what is going through your mind is sinful. And it needs to be put out. Turn with me there real quick. I want to finish what that says, Matthew 5. I don't know what I, the PowerPoint ain't. There we go. Sorry. I couldn't get it to click. But turn with me real quick to Matthew. Chapter 5, verse... Uh, I'll start in 28, and I want to just read on. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast in hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Put it in check. Spiritual discipline. I discipline my body every day and I put it into subjection. I take every thought and I put it into captivity. I ain't playing games with you, Satan. I'm not going to let you beat me, man. You try and try every day. And I let you win. But guess what? Today, I'm not doing it no more. I'm going to take those nasty thoughts. I'm going to take those sinful acts and I'm going to put them in captivity and I'm going to throw them away. And I'm going to take them out of my life. And I'm not going to allow myself to become toxic. I'm not going to allow my Christian walk to, de, to de, be destroyed piece by piece. No, I'm going to strengthen it. I'm going to grow. I'm going to get stronger. And I'm going to do it by your word. And I'm going to do it way early on. I'm going to do it while it's still in my mind. Jesus wants us to attack the situation before it gets out of control. To make sure we're putting in our hearts the right things. And when the bag comes in, we eliminate it. I'm not going to fool with it. I'm not going to do this. It's not going to be who I am. Boy, I want to do it. Isn't that right? When you get that lust and you get that desire, boy, isn't it hard sometimes to say no to? Doesn't it pull you? Be real about it. This one, hit hard. this one hits hard with me because you know what? This is where we fall. Not because one of these is, is the strongest thing to me. No, because lust of whatever it is, whatever I'm desiring that's not right, will pull you if you don't address it. Turn with me back to Proverbs uh, chapter 7. We sung about it in a song, and I don't remember what song it was, the, the kids downstairs. 
But how do we deal with, uh, how do we attack this lust? We realize it starts within our heart. But then we realize that we can deal with it. Look at the very beginning of this proverb 7. He says, my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. You want to know how I fight lust? I treasure God's commands. And guess what else I do? I keep them within me. He says, keep my commands and live. And my law as the apple of your eye. The apple of your eye, right? Isaac and Libby are the apple of my eye, right? I, want, I just love them so much. Aaron's higher, though. She's the apple then. And I don't even like apples. I'm allergic to apples. But... <clears throat> But he says to not only keep my words and treasure the commands and keep them within us, but guess what else? Oh, this is beautiful, brethren. Get it. Keep my commands and live in my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you're my sister. And call understanding your nearest kin. That they may keep you from the immoral women, woman. From the seductress who flatters with her words. Yes, in the context he's talking about this sexual uh, immoral situation. But think about what he's saying. How do we fight lust? How do we attack lust? We keep God's word within our heart. What does the Bible say? Hide, I hide your word in my heart that what? That I might not sin against thee. <laughs> Man. So ask yourself this as we close. Just do a little self-evaluation of yourself. Do we treasure what the Lord has told us to? to? And I think I did that wrong. Do we keep the Lord's Word within us? Not only do we know it, but do we keep it in us? And when the tough situations come, do, is that what we think about? I say this one over and over, but it helped me so much. It helped me so much when I thought about saying bad words. I'm telling y'all, my mouth was foul, y'all. I can't even believe it. It's embarrassing. But I remember whatever you say or whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord. And guess what happened when I said a bad word? That was the verse I went to. You can't be saying that. Is that in the name of the Lord? No, then you don't need to be saying And here I was in my mind battling. And guess what happened? I slowly started to not say bad words. Am I a perfect man? No. Do I use my illustrations? Yes, because it's me talking. <laughs> I fall every day. I mess up and do silly stuff. Just ask Isaac. Don't. Help me out, bro. 
But do we keep the Lord's words within us? And do we take what Jesus has told us to do and made it the apple of your eye? (laughs) I love it. I love that thought. You can remember that, the apple of your eye. When the tough situations come, is what Jesus tells us the apple of our eye. Do we love Him? Because if we do, we keep His commandments, right? We do what He says because we understand that in the end, His words is going to be what judges us. I want you to think about this thought and we'll be done. Watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become character. Watch your character for it becomes destiny. Isn't that good to think about? Watch your character for it becomes destiny. It becomes what you strive for. It becomes what is going to be the end for you. And it all starts with your thoughts. It all starts back way back in that noggin, right? What's the destiny of your life? To go to heaven or go to hell? What's the destiny of your life? To lust after things that only happen for a little time? Or treasure the Word of God and what He says and keep it within you? And every time those sinful things come in, you push them right out. What's the destiny of your life? Serving yourself or serving the King? Brethren, I would would say that everybody in here would definitely say serving the King. Amen? As you go out this week, be careful what you say. Be careful how you do it. And if you mess up, guess what? The Lord is there to forgive you. And you get up and you keep going. And you don't do it again. And you don't try to do it again. You try to be better and better every day. I love y'all very much. Somebody here tonight may need to obey the gospel. Somebody may need to become a Christian. What a beautiful day. To do it. What a beautiful time to do it. What a beautiful time to come forward and begin a journey that lasts forever. When you come out of the water of baptism, it says you raise up to walk in a newness of life. Brand new. A brand new creature. The old man is washed away and the new man has come on. Bright and shining, right? Maybe you're here and you need to repent. Maybe you've done some things that you're ashamed of. Maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you need some encouragement. Hey, pray for me this week and I'm going to pray for you. And guess what? We'll strengthen each other. The fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen? If you need to be saved, if you need help, if you need prayers, whatever you need, come right now together. We stand and say.